Okay. So we're beginning now letter 29. Letter 29 focuses on the value of studying the laws of Torah, the halachos. And our sages call these laws the crown of Torah because the supernal will is most revealed within the laws of the oral Torah because they're spelling out God's will, what he wants us to do, the commandments. So we begin by quoting a verse in Proverbs, in Mishle, that a woman of valor is the crown of her husband, which metaphorically refers to the Tyra. This woman of valor is the oral Tyra, the wife, while the written Tyra is referred to as the husband. And this woman of valor refers specifically to the laws of Tyra that are the crown to her husband, the written Tyra. And we have, of course, other quotes here also bringing out this similar point. It says in the Talmud that he who makes use of the crown passes away from this world. And our sages say that this refers to someone who's making use of the studying of the laws, the halachas. And in another place, it says, in the Talmud and Megillah, it says, that it was taught in the Academy of Elijah that whoever studies the laws is assured of a share in the world to come. So what we're seeing from this is that the laws are referred to as the crown of Tyra. Why? Also, we're being told here that by studying the laws, you're assured of a share in the world to come. Why specifically by studying the laws? Why not? also studying other parts of Torah. Why specifically the laws will give you for sure a share in the world to come? Also, our sages say that if someone studies only a single chapter in the morning and in the evening, he's fulfilled his obligation to study Torah. So again, why are we fulfilling our obligation to study by studying even a chapter of laws in the morning and in the evening? And why is this obligation not fulfilled by studying other parts of Torah, like scriptures or midrash? Why specifically through studying the laws of the oral Torah are we fulfilling this obligation to constantly be studying Torah? So what we saw from our quote is the significance, the supremacy we're giving to the study of the laws. And what our questions are saying is why. So to begin answering this, we know what Reb Isaac Luria, the Arizal, states that the soul of every Jew needs to be reincarnated many times until it fulfills all 613 commandments in thought, in speech, and in action in order to complete the garments of our soul and to rectify them so that no garment should be lacking except for the commandments incumbent on the king because he discharges the obligation for all the Jewish people. So why do we have to have all of these garments of all of our 613 commandments to the degree that if you don't, you're going to come back down again? Because you must have all 613 garments. So the reason is because we need to garb all 613 aspects and powers of our soul. In other words, the garments of the commandments are garbing the organs of our soul. And if we don't have all 613 commandments, 613 garments, what aspect of our soul is going to be lacking? And this is explained in the Zohar, in the primary work of the esoteric wisdom Kabbalah, that 
Our soul on all of its levels, of nefesh, of ruach, of neshama, our soul is a created entity. So inherently it's limited. And it's impossible for any created being to attain an apprehension of the creator. Even after God has radiated a glimmer of his light and caused an emanation, an evolution of many descending degrees with many intense contractions, numerous garments to obscure the godliness, Still, it's still too much for us, even to the degree that this contracted divine illumination is referred to as hairs. In other words, just as the life force present in a hair is so tenuous, doesn't even convey sensation, so too these subtle glimmers of divine energy that are filtered through all the contractions, that's why they're metaphorically called hairs. But still, even after all of these screenings so that the divine energies referred to as hairs, our soul can't endure that light. That light is so intense, is so good, is so sweet. We can't survive. We would expire by that light. So how can we absorb it? How can the soul absorb this enormous sweetness, this enormous beauty, pleasure of God's light, and not leave its limitations, leave its husk, not become wholly nullified like the candle flame that just jumps into the torch and loses its existence within this much greater energy. So the soul would cease to exist as an independent entity if it were to absorb the radiation emanating from the intense light and sweetness of godliness, except that from this very light, there's evolved some minute radiation, some very small, small level, after all of these numerous contractions, to create this garment. And this garment of contracted light is akin to the great light, because it comes from it, and can garb the soul. So through that garment, the soul can have the pleasure of the ray of the light and apprehend it without losing its existence, without being so nullified by that light that it loses its existence entirely. So what is this garment that was formed from God's energy to be small enough to garb our soul as the transparent skin by which it can absorb God's energy without being subsumed in it. It's the garment of the commandments. And this is comparative to someone looking at the sun. Of course, we can't look at the sun. We get blind. But if you look at the sun through a very fine speculum, that you can see the sun and not be blinded by it. Just like it says that Moses, when he ascended to God, it says he entered the midst of the cloud. So he is, so to speak, vesting himself in the cloud and seeing by way of the cloud. This cloud is, so to speak, like the garment through which Moses was able to receive the revelations on Sinai. So, so too, for every one of us, the commandments are the garments through which our soul can absorb God's energy without being subsumed by it. 